Kicking off with Alvin Lee on our usual daily jaunt for two hours through the mind of intellectual freedom. And uh, it's Friday, and of course that means Mr. Brent Winters is along for the ride with us. The date of the show, let me turn that obnoxious volume down. The date of the show is 5-15-20, kind of sounds like a football play. And I guess it's good that it's not Friday the 13th, uh, not that that would be too much more sinister than the way things are at the moment. Uh, anyway, Brent's back, and it's a Friday, and we're a little uh, a week further into this uh, the new reality. And uh, Brent, how you doing, bud? All right, Roger. All right, I'm trying to trying to discipline myself to stay under control. And last time I got on, I blew a head gasket before we got out of the first fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm trying to stay under control. The madness continues. Boy, there's as a go ahead. No, I'm (laughs) sorry to interrupt. We get that little lag here, and it causes those problems with people like like us that have got diarrhea of the mouth. You know, you got so much to say, and it's like you said, the tensions and uh, and you get in these situations, and all of a sudden, all this tenseness finds an outlet and boom it comes out you know not just on the air here but i'm sure in a lot of relationships and i know that the escalation of domestic uh disturbances with people being stuck there together that are normally you know off doing their things during the day and they spend a limited amount of time together now all of a sudden it's not only the parents hell it's in many instances the children and as as I saw the little deal, uh, the, one of those little JPEG things that says, now it's time for all those parents that didn't discipline their kids to get payback. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh. Say that last word again. To get, to get payback. They've been letting them go terrorize everybody else. Now they're stuck at home with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Well, there's a good thing about being stuck at home in the midst of this madness. Let me ask you this quick. How do people, this is how untechnical I am. I've had people ask, how do I, how do I listen to what you're doing here? And how do I listen to the program? Do they listen on Skype? Do they listen on the, on the um, internet? We've tried to, it's on the internet and, and there's several different ways they can listen to it either now live or Uh you can listen to it delayed or even on a replay tonight. Okay, so uh-huh. the main ways uh-huh. are to go to the People's Patriot Network dot com, and there's a okay. listen live button right there that you click on that okay. should be working. We've had a little problems with it, okay. but to my knowledge, nobody's told me lately it's not. Uh, right underneath okay. that is another way you can go to your cell phone and you can download. There's an app. You go to the app store. And you download an app called TuneIn, T-U-N-E-I-N. Now, when you mm-hmm. dial that app up, there's two choices. One of them is a premium one that you pay monthly and get all this up-to-date sports information that ain't happening anywhere in the world. And yeah. the other is the free one. And that's the uh-huh. one, of course, we direct people to. And when you get that downloaded, 
it carries all kinds of stuff from all over the world. There's a lot of stuff on there. Uh, but just in the search bar, put People's Patriot Network, three separate words, and our little outfit will pop up. And I have been, when I've listened to it a few times, I've been shocked at the, at the quality of the fidelity. Okay, because okay. it's all, all digital coming out of there, and they probably have some processing equipment in there to mess with the signal a little bit. And, and uh, it, I, it's always been crystal clear when I've listened to it. Okay, now, okay. now at the uh, end of every uh, show, when I upload everything, I upload it to two places. One is to the server here, and we replay the show in the evening. Uh, uh-huh. Nine or ten, I'm not sure which. With all these time changes, it just drives me crazy. But uh, so yeah. in, the, in the later, you know, nine or ten in the evening, it starts, and we replay the show then. And then the other mm-hmm. upload I do immediately after the show, or as, as immediate as I can get to it, is to a site called Castbox. See, like uh-huh. casting a rod, casting a cast net, castbox.fm. Dot frequency uh-huh. modulation, and uh, wow, and uh, we that that's just short for FM. Uh, but there's about a year and a half. We started doing that in November, late November uh-huh. of 2018. So there's a year okay. and a half of shows over there, and there's a couple that are very significant. I just sent out that show, and I found the date just the other night because I was looking it up for a friend of mine, Brent. Uh, uh-huh. The show we did with Ron Gibson here at the on the seventh of January, uh, but she's wow. all of a sudden interested, and in, she's an old friend, family, yeah. and and interested yeah. in a loyal title all of a sudden, and asked me something about it, and I said, well, once you listen to this, I think it'll answer all your questions. But I had to go back and yeah. find it, and it was on the um, the seventh of of uh, February. Now, instructive for people that are fairly new to what we do here was another mm-hmm. show that they can they have to go way back to the start of that archive on CastBox to, mm-hmm. I believe, the date was December 5th of 2018. Now, okay. that was another program, and that was the day. I don't remember if you were on or if I had Paul on, but we had Brian Howard on who went back and told the experience and the story of going to this Texas hospital and basically oh, yeah. confirming everything that our thesis has been stating for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are two uh, of note for people that really want to get back. Because there's people that hear this, and I can understand it, and they go, oh, man, that's wacko. But, you know, what they're <laughs> not doing is that I've figured out over the years is you're not following one of Sun Tzu's very important early planks, and that's to know your enemy. And these people are projecting the way they operate and think and look at the structure in their way and projecting it on our enemy. And, buddy, our enemy don't work like that. And and if you hadn't learned that lesson yet, uh, go back to the head of the path and learn it. And then you look at everything through those lenses because we're talking about some real slick, slick dudes here, man. Slicker than deer guts on a doorknob. Buddy, I'm telling you, and the deeper you get into this, the more you will realize that it's a great possibility and probability that no mere mortal man could have put this together. But beyond that, Roger, I get what you're saying. I 
course, don't disagree. You got to know your enemy. But the first enemy a fellow has to lick is himself. Yes. If he doesn't get that licked, he can't move on to the the one on the outside. And we have met the enemy, and he is us. Yeah. And if without the discipline, without the discipline of overcoming yourself, you can't. Even if you know what your enemy is, you can't overcome him. And because you yeah, go ahead. That's one of the reasons they prey on the young people because they're not. They don't yeah, have enough yeah. life under their belt to have that discipline to have had those experiences to know when their ox is getting gored. You know, they're new. Mm-hmm. Their eyes are wide open. They're seeing this world. All of a sudden, they've got some vestiges of adulthood, and they think they know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the evil empire. I talk a lot about Rome. I talk a lot about Islam, and I generally talk a lot about Talmudic Babylonianism, three labels for the same fundamental animal. But there's one thing about, for example, Talmudic or uh, Romanism. Romanism, the, the education of a Romanist traditionally is uh, in, the, it follows the the lead of uh, uh, the Jesuits and the Jesuits, Jesuits were founded by a man who was a, a soldier. He was a knight, and that his so called well, his conversion to Romanism, he took his weapons and his armor, and he hung it on the altar in a local cathedral, and he committed himself to the disciplines he had learned as a soldier. And in the days of the knights, there was a very specific discipline in each country as to how to become a knight and. You devoted your life to it. It became everything to do that. And uh, he took those disciplines and he applied it to the Jesuit order. He founded the Jesuit order. He founded it upon the disciplines that he learned as a soldier. They were very specific. And when I say soldier, we would understand that today as a knight in those days, which was a specific, a specific institution to those folk. And they devoted their entire being and life to being a knight. It wasn't some things, it was everything. You became a soldier of the nth degree. Well, that's what he devoted to the Jesuit order. The Jesuit order then uh, followed the, follows those disciplines in academia, in academia. And he said, I'm going to apply these to my mind. And he did, and he founded the Jesuit order. Now, all the standard for all education in, in Romanism is Jesuitism. And, uh, you know, I talk to people that are my age and older that have been to parochial schools when they were children, not so much anymore, but the nuns used to run them. And you live in a world like that now, and I'm sure you see these kind of things down there more than we see here in America today because there aren't that many nuns like there used to be. You used to see them run around with their habits. And the, and the priest, and uh, you talk to the children that are now my age and older, and they say, well, one thing about that parochial school I went to, even when they reject Romanism, is uh, it's all about discipline, and it is. And here's the other thing it's about, and I've had them tell me this, me this specifically, looking in hindsight at what they experienced. They said it wasn't about, it wasn't about learning uh, truth at all. It was all about being disciplined in the arts of logic. And this is just children, little children, disciplined in the arts of logic. So what do you get when you get out? You get people that are obedient, obedient to the will of another, the Pope in this instance, ultimately, or the, or the Jesuit Pope, whoever it is, and who thinks like a steel trap given the, 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 the information he has, the information he has, the fact he has is the Pope is, is right no matter what loyalty goes to him. Well, that's what the Jesuits swear, and of course the means or the, uh, 
the ends justifies the means, just the opposite of our common law tradition. But it's all about logic. It's not about facts. I've even had them tell me we were not taught what to believe. Not really. No, we were taught. We were taught logic. And it's true also where logic becomes paramount in any system and all of the evil empire, every religion but Christianity. Logic is at some point elevated to the top. Facts don't matter anymore. And they don't. In Romanism, the facts don't matter. They're not interested in the facts that the gospel records present. They're interested in what the Pope says, and then the logic becomes the absolute focus of what they do. Well, here's the problem, of course. That's the way the devil himself has organized the evil empire to his onslaught against fact. What is the fact? Well, the fact of the matter is uh, Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin, and he lived and died, and he descended into hell, and he rose again the third day, and he ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's fact. Paul the Apostle recites that, First uh, Corinthians, Corinthians, well, the Corinthians, one of them, chapter 15, you can go look it up. But he recites those facts, and of course we see that throughout the Bible. But the, the attraction of the evil empire is the discipline of the mind. It is. But unfortunately for them, it's used to send them to hell, Mm -hmm. to send as many to hell as it can. Um, Is the discipline of the mind important? Yes, it is. But God will discipline you, and he'll discipline you on the basis you're his. He'll discipline you, and you better be braced for it. And if you aren't, you're going to get unbraced. You're going to get beaten down. Well, you're going to get beaten down anyway. Let's get to the fact of the matter. God promises you're going to, if he takes you on as his own, he's going to beat you down like a rented mule. And when he's done with you, you're going to get up and you're going to have a little character and it's going to start to grow. And your logic then will be built upon his facts and he will discipline you to that. It will come naturally, though. You see, the, it's artificial what the evil empire does with logic, utterly artificial. It's not something that's built upon your nature. Logic is natural to man. It's what separates us from the beast. Birds are born to fly. Horses are born to run. Beasts of prey are born to ferocity. But man, that hounds are born to hunt, Roger. And they will. They'll do it no matter what. Mm. And man, no matter what, will think logic is part of who he is if he's not destroyed by drugs or lust. So the discipline that man must have in order to use logic, they use logic to get their lust filled. Oh, they're very good at it. Look at the courts. Look at the opinions. It's not always true, but it is true. There are a lot of Jesuits on the benches in our in our country, and they use logic to support the light. Roger, back to you. I'll take well, let me just bring even more poignant out there, and we, it's come up before, but I caught this in a video over the last couple of weeks on this influx of information all of us have had all of a sudden, even more so than usual uh-huh. probably. Fauci, uh-huh. this little creep that's uh, an obvious <laughs> uh, chameleon hypocrite, he graduated uh-huh. from Holy Cross – a Jesuit university. He was number one in his class. Oh, he was. Oh, yes. And uh, I can't help but think that's a lot behind this when you can see clips of this guy a few years back and somebody's asking him during the SARS epidemic about using hydrochlorone. He says, oh, yeah, you should try it. Now somebody brings it. Oh, no, you shouldn't draw. That's untested. All that kind of stuff. You can see his chameleon-like nature (laughs) and his obvious hypocrisy. Um, But Uh uh, let's see here. Bob's wanting to come in. Boy, we must have hit something early when Bob calls in in the first part of the show. So. We'll get him right back on. Chris joined us. Chris, before I get off into anything, did you get your new phone? 
Not yet, but it's on the list for things to do early today. As a matter of fact, I did quite a bit of looking and shopping and ran into corporate insanity at Sam's Club. Uh huh. I imagine that. Uh, I was going to, for the newer listeners, and we've mentioned this before, it's an old story I heard, but it draws a perfect illustration of what you're talking about, Brent. And it's the way the old metallurgists used to purify metals. And the way they would do that, the impurities in a metal uh, process are called dross, I'm told. Okay. And so yeah. they, uh, the now this isn't modern, this is older. I'm sure they, you know, probably do it still today. But the way they would do it back then, the only way they knew was to put that metal under great amounts of heat, pressure. And the huh? higher it got and the hotter it got, the dross is then separated from the gold and it rises to the top and the metallurgist scrapes it off and puts the dross uh -huh. to the side and keeps applying the heat uh -huh. to drive out the impurities. And the analogy is, uh -huh. of course, what you were talking about with what God puts us through in our lives, okay? Is he puts us under these pressures, this heat, and it drives off the impurities, and then we uh -huh. get rid of the impurities and come back. Now, the interesting part about that story and the analogy is this. The way that the metallurgist could tell when the metal was pure, uh -huh. he could see his own reflection in it. Uh-huh. Just like, evidently, God putting you through these pressures and getting rid of your dross so that maybe, hopefully, he can see his own impression in you. Bob, welcome aboard, buddy. Hello, sirs. Good morning. You're nice and clear you'll this to, morning. You'll, you'll have to excuse this sound of my flashers in the background. I'm escorting an oversize, and I've got to have my flashers on. So. Okay. I okay. uh, just wanted to mention that I hadn't been over to PPN for some time because after I discovered I could get it on Eurofolk, I had just been staying there. But when you said it was back to work and I tried it, and it simply comes up that this page cannot be found okay. when you click on the live link, right. just well, for your information. I, I, I'll, I'll drop a note to senior webmaster and see if you can't get that straightened out because that's another way and i forgot about sure. eurofolk that we simulcast on eurofolk radio eurofolk of course is our sister network set up by the it, both networks were birthed by the same person mr paul we sure do appreciate him and the other thing that i i, I omitted saying in that long explanation of how to get us is if you do go to castbox.fm c-a-s-t box.fm in the search engine put radio ranch you could probably put ppn but most of the content is is uh, is radio ranch stuff so you put radio ranch the name of our little get together in the search engine and all that'll pop up for you i try you know yep. brent i was saying the other day i try and give brief descriptions but at the end of a show, and I don't sit here and fastidiously take notes, uh, at the end of a show, I'm often hard-pressed to, to put down and remember all the topics and issues we covered. So the descriptions on those are a little bit general, but sometimes as specific, honestly, as I can get them, because we cover so many different things in the format of the program. Yeah, we go so many different directions, too. <laughs> you know, got to remember it all. Sorry, but you put enough on there that 
stimulate people a little I, bit and they I know what to. they're getting into. I put oh, links. If no, we talk that. about videos and stuff or different things, I, I try my best to put the links there at the bottom under show links that are hot links that we discuss so people that are listening later can go look at them. If, you, if YouTube hadn't pulled them yet. Um, what do you think about all the court? Talk about unorthodox. What do you think about all this court stuff that's gone on in the last week, Brent? I've been feeding you well, those which, stories when they pop up there. Well, I've, um, the ones you sent me that I looked at this morning had to do with what was going on in Odessa, Texas. That. When uh, the SWAT team. Yeah, and it looked, somebody said to me, well, you know, you don't know if that's a photo op. Could have been. That was a complete setup just for YouTube. Well, it's true. Now, this person that said this wasn't against wasn't against the people that opened up their businesses. But um, I looked at it and I said, well, there are two possibilities here. I noticed the bar they shut down. It wasn't what you would call a topless bar. (laughs) But I could tell it was a bar for men looking at the waitresses walking around. And, uh, (laughs) you know, were they road hard? Were they road hard and put up with? Well, as, as is sometimes said, the girls didn't have enough clothes on to water an eyedropper. Um, they were scantily dressed, but they were dressed. But it probably, if it did occur, it occurred in a place where people approved to shut the plastic place down to start with. But nonetheless, nonetheless, that's, you know, the, 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 the price of freedom is the defense of idiots, somebody said. I forget who it was. <laughs> but I found that to be utterly true. And if um, people want to, Go ahead. Slobber over girls in bars, that's that's a waste of man man hours to do that, and it doesn't get you anywhere either. And what those girls really want are there is they want husbands. They don't want to be slobbered over. Uh, it's, you're not helping them. You're not helping yourself. And probably in Odessa, they wanted to get rid of that place anyway, so they were in support of the sheriff shutting it down. I don't know. I'm just speculating what could be. could be the whole thing was a setup, and the people, the women that owned the bar, that uh, supposedly got arrested, that uh, she got paid to do that, too. You don't know. Well, the big story out of Texas that's gotten legs is the girl that owned the hair salon that, uh, you know, they used habeas corpus on. We talked about that last week. The ones that have developed, I was really more uh, uh, accurately talking and referring to are all of these judicial travesties this week over uh, General Flynn and some of the other outrageous things that are happening with this Judge Sullivan. I'm not sure. I guess he's in D.C. Uh, did you get to look at those stories, Brent? No. What was that? What happened with Sullivan? Well, you know, all of this information has come out that they set Flynn up. Okay. Oh, Sullivan was the one that said it was all right to go after him some more. Yes, I did see that. Well, yeah, it, well, the, this particular circumstance, and I was going to query you about this to see if you've ever heard of this before. Have you ever heard of any kind of a federal judge totally disavowing any kind of directive and suggestion from the head of the Department of Justice? Well, certainly happens Continually, And the okay. reason is, and not to say it's right when it happens, but the fundamental reason is that uh, the courts are not bound to obey anybody. Right. Okay. Neither, neither, neither is the, the president of the United States, and neither is the Congress. Well, I wish not that bound was... bound to obey each other either. I, I wish that was used more in a positive sense of having yeah, some yeah. of these judicists yeah. 
ju judges that stood up for the right side instead of going along with the crowd. But this is yep. where it, the exact opposite happened. And so he says, no, not only did he go against the directive of the DOJ, but he then went out and hired a retired federal judge, obviously a crony of his, to come in and argue against the DOJ. And I think, if I remember correctly from the headline I, re I read, that he was a judge that presided over the Gotti trial. So now he is bringing in a retired judge to get up an argument against the DOJ suggestion, or whatever you'd call it, where they've already proven it was total FBI negligence and fraud setting it up. Yeah. But the judge, you know, he'll look at it. Just, for example, let's think about the O.J. Simpson trial or the McDonald's hot coffee case. In all of those cases, everybody outside of the courtroom, not everybody, but a lot of people, they said, well, we know the truth. We don't care. When the jury came back in the other direction, people were incensed. Well, do you really want public opinion to say that O.J. Simpson was guilty or would you rather the jury as crooked? as that may be, would you rather the jury did it? What about the McDonald's hot coffee case? Do you really want public opinion to decide that case? Or do we want to say, well, we're going to let the jury get all the facts, to watch all the witnesses, to understand it in a way and, and observe the evidence? That's what a jury does. It's sworn, a jury is sworn to, to witness evidence. They are witnesses of evidence. Do you want the jury to do it? Or do you want uh, to go by democracy, put it in the news, and let everybody decide according to what the newsman tells you. Well, ahead, let me daughter. give you another element on this Judge Sullivan. Up through uh -huh. the last few years that this has been going on, there have been 24 attempts by third parties to file amicus curie or supporting uh, evidence-type briefs, and he had turned down every one of them. Uh -huh. And now all of a sudden he opens it up to third-party briefs. <laughs> oh, certainly. Again, I'm not supporting what he's doing. It sounds lawless to me. As they say, judge has gone mad. I like to call it judge-itis. Judge-itis judge is where, <laughs> judge -itis is where you, you've been on the bench long enough, you think nobody can touch you. You finally figure that out. Nobody can touch you, and pretty much that's true. Well, you know it's true uh, intellectually when you go on the bench. You know there's such a thing as judicial immunity. But then you, when you really begin to feel the power of it, whoa, well, it gets to you. It right gets now, to you. And then you start doing stupid things. This, uh, this one in Texas that threw the, the gal who refused to bow her knee and grovel and apologize to him for being selfish, which is what he was asking. Um, uh -huh. uh, she, uh, he was a Harvard graduate black activist, but they come up for re-election in November. So, you know, on some of those state judges, I guess they're elected, popularly elected, and I would imagine that his uphill re-election battle is going to face a few obstacles over the next couple of months. It seems to me what these Democrats are doing and I'm looking at it more, and I don't dwell on stuff like this. I don't look at it through these perspectives generally, the two 
right-wing political party. But, boy, you can see. Now, they've had Russiagate fail, the Mueller thing fail. Now they're being exposed, and now they're going to take their political power through these states and try and do anything to derail the economy and forestall or throw the election like they have in California where Gavin Newsom said this week, well, we can have mail-in ballots this year. Oh, yeah. No, I see that happening, too. Let me read a comment from a listener here about Sullivan. This is the simple, this is put in simple, terse, brief terms. says this, Sullivan is dirty, getting paid to drag out the case. Don't want Flynn back in White House to spill the beans. That's probably true. What do you think, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't argue with that at all. Yeah, they're trying to do anything to derail the Donald Trump train that's rolling right now. And everything they do just puts lard on the rails. Lard? Did you say lard? Make it go faster. Oh, lard. You're talking about degrees of the skids. You know, I see no your way. point. It's coming back yeah. on them. Everything they're trying to do is coming back. It's the snake eating its tail. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not going to quit as long as they have immunity or uh, de facto immunity and they feel safe. They're going to continue to do what they do. Yeah. Uh, that's what I see. Uh, so the only way it's going to stop is if their ability to to do it stops. Now, the, here's the bottom line. These, these judges, these judges are there and uh, they realize they have immunity at some point. They get a case of judgeitis. And then they, they just do what they want to do. In other words, will, their will, becomes what people enforce. I guess this brings out an important point that we should mention that's seldom mentioned. Why are we complaining about the courts? Why? Do we complain about the courts because we think that they have power? Well, I'm here to tell you they don't have any power. They have none. Nearly none. What do they have? They have black robes. And they have prestige as though they're some kind of intellectuals because they attended a school called law school. And a lot of people know a lot of things. Lawyers know what they know and judges know what they know. But they don't have any power. The president of the United States has real, raw power. They don't. So why is it? This is the question. I know why. I mean, it's a hypothetical question. I think I know the answer. Why is the president follows their opinions when he, when uh, every, the whole country believes the opinion is wrong? I mean, you've got people sitting on the benches that can't even tell whether they're men or women. And, and uh, they say things that are senseless. But, of course, you don't have to be like that to say things that are senseless. There's a lot of them. We used to say that uh, the law in the United States is whatever nine men in black, nine senile men, this is the way they said it, Whatever nine senile men in black robes says it is. Well, you can't even say that anymore when you use the word senile to talk about not senility, but by old age. Senile is a word, in a Latin word, that means old age. That's why we call the Senate the Senate, because it's older men. Older men. It's a masculine word, and traditionally, senators were men that were older men, and that was the Latin way of saying they were the elders the white-bearded men. And the rule by the rule, uh, yes, rule by white-bearded men is traditional among mankind to be the way that men are ruled. Not young men. No, white-bearded men. 
And that's been the rule in America, too, until very recently. Of course, now we, all these girls that were wearing headbands and doing drugs are now uh, in Congress and promoting the drug companies. That's what's happened now, along with the men that follow them. But we've gotten to the point where we believe, and this has been going on for better than 100 years, we believe that these judges, that, they're, that they have power somehow and that their opinions are law. That's never been the, the case in uh, our common law tradition, and it's not the case now. In other words, if a, that's why we call them opinions. This judge says what he says, that's an opinion. That's what it is. We call it an opinion. Or we call it a finding of the court. We don't call it law. So why is it that... Now, I understand that lawyers will follow that, stare decisis. That's their job. Why? Because they're officers of that branch, that other branch of government. And that branch of government, called the judicial branch, is independent of the executive and the legislative. So it's important that they do that as much as they can, as much as they feel like they ought to. Oh, there's a time to bolt. Every person. Here's what needs to be said at the end of all this talk. Every person is responsible to do the right thing. No man, no woman has the right to do wrong, period. No man. I don't care if you're in office or out of office. I don't care if you're following precedent or think you're supposed to or the president says or the courts say. When it comes right down to it, you. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord. Now, you. You got to decide what you're going to do. And if the whole world has gone mad, you're still responsible to God. Talking to a fellow yesterday, a farmer, and the uh, hay farmer. He grew up on the Canadian border. And he, amazing, Roger. He grew up on the Canadian border, and he went to school in Canada. He lived in America. He went to school in Canada every day and came home every night because that's where the school was. Mm-hmm. That's the way we used to live uh, here in North America. Oh, you know, there were border patrol there, he said, but, you know, they knew us. We just came back, and we lived on both sides of the border, just like I knew a fella down in Texas. He retired from Marine Corps after 32 years, and, and uh, he lived in Mexico. And he came across the border, and, him, and his family back and forth across the Rio Grande uh, daily or weekly. And uh, that's the way we used to live. It was a different world. And now the borders are closed. The Canadians are scared to death. They want down here. Roger, I've got to stop talking. I'm getting too wound up again. I'll blow a head gasket like I did last time. But what else well, What else you got on your I, mind? I guarantee I got somebody that can take your place. So we'll welcome the good captain aboard. But I just want to say first, you know, we talk about this basic common law and our advantage in the in the English colonistic type countries that adapt that. Uh-huh. Well, I found a new one today. I didn't realize. What was it? Hong Kong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that was, here's one of the commissioners of Hong Kong in this. I've been concentrating on looking at a bunch of China stuff here lately. And uh, she said, well, because they've got the situation of the one country, two countries, two rules deal. And that's what all the uh-huh. hubbub and has been about over there. And here's the commissioner going, well, we want to help to remain with the basis of Hong Kong's common law rule. And I went, well, there you go. Hey, Daryl, how you doing, oh, man? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, good morning. Uh, hey, Brent. Hey, Roger. Uh, Bob, everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, this is this is interesting. Uh, another day. Another uh, attempt at making sense of nonsense, um, <laughs> and uh, that seems to be a uh, almost full-time uh, uh, effort, uh, considering uh, the the daily uh, 
the daily news cycle. Um, the uh, something that, something I was going to try to drag up out of the muck here was uh, the uh, pronouncement yesterday of uh, Donald Trump. Uh, I saw the video of him actually saying this that uh, he he didn't equivocate when he made the statement that uh, he had just come out of a meeting and that uh, the the purpose of this meeting was to organize plans uh, for the rest of the the year here uh, their uh, their protocols and procedures that they're going to uh-huh. employ and that he he said very clearly and in plain language that uh, by the end of the year he was going to employ and deploy the military and other forces to uh, vaccinate the uh, U.S. population. We're going to employ the military and deploy the military to vaccinate the uh, population of the United States. And uh, uh, behind that, I, uh, today uh, I got it from uh, I got it from our uh, one of our, our wonderful uh, participants here, uh, and he he sent me the uh, job description that they're recruiting. Um, uh, minders, uh, contact tracers, people that they will employ to uh, build a dossier of uh, your associates and who you've been in contact with in order to deploy um, uh, their protocols for the purpose of uh, tracing your contacts uh, ostensibly under the premise that uh, uh, for public health, public policy, and safety. You hit the key word, now, public policy, uh, public policy. Yes, that was that was with intent. <laughs> I, I did include that with intent, yes. Uh, so I, as a... As a as a man of logic, I I try to uh, work inside of logic. I appreciate what you were said earlier. Um, I've taken the lo- the lessons out of the crucible of my previous occupation and the lessons learned there out of the crucible, which is a a furnace where you melt iron, steel, gold, or aluminum. And uh, try to apply those uh, disciplines and lessons to uh, our work here, and which involves a lot of logic. And you have to be rational. And I believe that if I believe it's my observation, not only a belief but an observation that uh, man is rational, and that is natural. It's natural to be rational. But first you have to burn – I, I like that Roger's analogy very much. Um, first you have to burn off the contamination because uh, part of your natural inclination is to be a, a filthy, lustful uh, creature. <laughs> you have to burn that off. And and then you can, you can apply the logic of the law. And that, that law that I refer to 
isn't made up by a bunch of goofy uh, clowns in black gowns. It's uh, the laws of God, God's laws. Okay, that, and therein, therein you find, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion of this phrase logos, uh, and logos is rationality, and but, but. Uh, you know that's a whole that's a whole long lengthy conversation, uh, and I know that you're very well equipped to have that conversation, Brent. Uh, so uh, I, I see the evidence, the evidence that I see uh, based upon his own statements that uh, there will be a uh, a military deployment uh, for uh, to the population of this uh, place to in order to uh, um, administer uh, things to their person. So <clears throat> they're going to get. They're gonna there you get, have it. They're going to get yeah. a basket full blowback on that, especially by the end of the year, yeah. and whatever is going to come out between now and then. Is there? And this, <laughs> I hear people say this. I don't know. Is there any possibility that Trump? Is playing both ends against the against the middle when he says things that scare the bejeebies out of people. Like I'm going to employ the military to vaccinate everybody. Yeah. Is he yeah. is he posturing? No, and then and then behind the scenes he's he's working against those people. Well, uh, if you uh, if you believe in uh, four four dimensional chess and uh, QAnon and uh, trusting the plan. And that you have to lie in order to do the truth. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's. Uh, I think that's. Uh, there's a lot of evidence saying that that's gone on for uh, some time. Uh, a duplicity, a dialectic, uh, a a uh, a contradiction is always present in uh, his uh, his actions. It recall recalls for me anyway a, a quote. From a man, uh, I'm trying to recall the. Uh, here's this quote. I, I apologize. I can't remember his name. He, he, uh, it, it might have been uh, Warburg, but it sounds like something he would have said, Paul Warburg. But he said, uh, "We uh, we deny with our mouth by day what we do with our hands by night." And uh, what I see is uh, contradictory statements, a, uh, a lack of uh, incoherency, and the perpetuating of hope, uh, much like you would uh, lead a mule with a carrot. And uh, uh, th this is the evidence that I see. Uh, I, I don't see any continuity in uh, actual uh, things that benefit, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm loath to use this word, but I will. Uh, the, the premise of constitutionality, uh, uh, I, I don't see uh, an, an efficacy in in uh, in a continuity. And a clarity that can even be even remotely identified or comprehended by the common man. Uh, they're 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 left to uh, 
give themselves over to this uh, amorphous concept of hope. Uh, and and then that is loosely defined as to whatever you know President Trump says or infers that that might be okay. Well, this this is this is what the left did with Obama. They just sort of threw themselves over to this, and what uh, whatever whatever he says, and we have hope that that is going to uh, facilitate. Uh, you know, whatever our expectations were. So, you know, fill in the blank. And uh, so, but I I, I just want to go back to the evidence because you're a lawyer and uh, the the evidence is is that we have a system that is marching forward in lockstep to serve an agenda. And uh, I I tell you, you know, when I, I heard those very words come out of his mouth, I was saying, well, that's, that's pretty clear. And it seems to fit with uh, Fauci's agenda and Bill Gates' agenda. So I'm I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, I think it's worthy of uh, I think it's worthy of uh, some uh, critical analysis, and uh, I'll I'll just listen up. I do too. I wish we'd have seen it, but if you have it, please post it, and I want to see it. You're right. This is <laughs> would well, be disconcerting, and a fellow ought to be ready either way. There's no question about that, and. Um, May I comment on this? Yes, this Bob is that Bob? Oh, please, that was Bob. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, I just read that article, and it is filled with conjecture and supposition. You're shocked, I know. First of all, <laughs> it's based on the premise that we will have a vaccine. That's a presumption. It's based on the fact that it will be safe and effective. That's a leap. That's always Fauci a presumption. Himself in the article. In the article, Fauci admits it may not be effective, but we got to do it anyway. And then it comes back to the idea that the, the article closes out with this statement, and I would blame this, blame this on the writer. I don't know who it was. It doesn't matter. Said this virus is, you know, killing our society, blah, blah, blah. And that's, in fact, not true. It is our reaction. As a society to this, nothing's different than last year or the century before, but it's got a lot better press agent. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. And everybody, yeah. everybody's the, buying in, and it the, just frustrates me to no end. Well, the other difference wow. is those other two previous examples didn't have agendas behind them. Yeah. I got two cents. Yeah. Okay, two cents, Christopher. All right. Well, whenever Trump bows down and turns over the president's powers to an agency that the office of president created, because the office of president created all these so-called agencies, the endless so-called fourth branch of government, which is not part of government or an extra constitutional, he has then bought the lies that are being fed to him by his handlers and not aware of his true power as the creator of the agencies, at least that office. And the creator can never be greater than the creator. We have that testimony on the earth by the highest power, the true supreme judge, being in charge of all. And when we cognize and go down this insane road that the created agency can be greater than the creator, 
whenever these are private for private profits corporations, not part of government whatsoever, and they're run by the UN, Bill Gates, the hell, the Chinese government, and the little sandbox, I don't see how anybody can buy this nonsense, and these people are absolutely insane to go down that road of buying this crap. Thank you. Well, when they when they announce the vaccine and all that stuff, the the herd will line up to get them. Okay, uh, I was I was I was braced for Chris's usual display of his massive, wide-reaching vocabulary. I think he's mad. He was mad enough this time. He didn't do that. <laughs> he's, but uh, I appreciate the comments, of course. Yeah, go ahead. He's anticipating getting that new phone, aren't you, Chris? I am. There you go. Uh, get a good one now. Buddy. Well, one thing that stands, one thing that stands as a bellwether to our susceptibility is the prevalence of masks. <laughs> Just. It, it just drives me crazy. My wife says, how can you tell? But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, it, it just, it's a good idea because what? Everybody else is doing it. I mean, there are reasons to wear masks, but we're not in one right now. I mean, and then you watch the people that are wearing them. They wear the same mask all day. They wear the same gloves all day. They pull their mask down to pluck at their nose with their gloved hand put their mask back up like they're doing something. It's just well, foolishness on steroids, and we all nod and buy into it's, it. it you Except Daryl, of course. Bob, I, immune to such things. I saw the complaint <laughs> about the testing procedure, and here's all these people in this PPE, they call it. That's part of the new lexicon, I guess. This PPE, PPE oh, yeah. clothing, and they're not changing gloves or anything from one patient to the next, and they're swabbing your nose. And the guy's oh, yeah. going, does well, that make go. any, it, could that possibly, it's like magic. <laughs> could that make any difference? And we were uh, complaining. No. Actually, I don't. We were complaining about burkas. Yeah, right. A few years ago. Now look at us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, listen, well, I want to ask. Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, it's an old joke. At this point, it's an old joke, and everybody's probably laughed at it. But, you know. I was in the I was in the local uh, food market here the other day, and there's like eight out of ten customers have masks on. All the help is mandated to have them on, and of course we did not. And I told my daughter, I said, I'm resisting the urge, very very close to the edge. I'm resisting the urge to just flop on the floor in a paroxysm <laughs> of spastic movement and coughing and just, just see what happens. I said, you, you get. You get the camera and get ready because I'm about to do it. I, I'm just about to burst here. Be, be sure and sneeze. <laughs> be sure and sneeze a couple of times real hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got to sneeze. <laughs> got to sneeze. Well, um, did you yeah. see? I saw this little video. I think it came from Florida. I got that impression, Bob. And uh, the guy was not wearing a mask. He's like us. He said, I'm, I ain't doing that. The Surgeon General says this scientific thing says it's bad. I ain't doing it. Okay, and he's got his 12-year-old daughter, and he's going by, I believe it was Harbor Freight. And he walks in Harbor Freight. I guess everybody else had their masks on. Nobody said anything to him, no problem. And he's back in the back of the store, and a guy walked to, up to him and says, 
don't you know it's, you, you're supposed to have a law, a mask on by law? And he's going, who's law and who are you? And the guy pulls yeah. up his sweater and he's got a badge. He said, I'm a federal agent. And he said, well, federal law ain't got any damn jurisdiction here. And he starts jumping on. They get in an argument. And this guy turns out to be a retired federal agent. He's still posing as an active agent. And he's wow. a little bit older and overweight. And this guy's a young whippersnapper. And they go to blows right there in the store. And he uses a little uh, self-defense on him. And he said, listen, I jacked that guy's arm up behind his back over his head. Okay, but he evidently took care of the guy real quick. The guy got out of the store and went out to his car, and he was in a car that had police or something on it as a retired guy. And they Where'd you did read it. this, Roger? I, it was in a, I got a video of it uh, oh. through our little group. I'll try and nab it and send it to yeah, you. Yeah, I'll post it. Uh, oh, yeah, I don't want to see it. Uh, and yeah. uh, he said he walked out to go get the guy's name and everything, and the guy fishtailed the car out of the parking lot. It was, but it's pretty interesting, and I, and you know, you got all these people that are starting to demonstrate. You got armed militia showing up in Michigan. Uh, uh, all these things are really starting. If they try and do mandatory vaccines, it, it is not going to be a good environment. Well, you know, one of the things that I discovered just uh, being uh, on public media a little bit, I'd say something about this or something about that. It's enjoyable in this sense because I'll post. A sentence, maybe a sentence or two sentences about some particular thing. And I'm surprised at the response that I get. And one of the things, it's like we used to be on the radio. If you really wanted a response on radio, and we were there in Terre Haute at two FM stations, two AM stations, drive time in the morning, just bring up the subject of baptism. So I had to bring up, just start talking about, well, should we be sprinkled or don't? Which should, Which is it? Boy, would people, they draw their daggers right away. They'd go to blows. We got, got so bad that we uh, invited uh, some uh, shakers and movers in the community in to talk about it on the air in person. And they did. They wanted to. You know, what, what's right and what's wrong? Well, that's the way this is. I, when I mention vaccines, the people I haven't heard from in a long, long time, they don't hesitate to say, my brother said this. My brother was a, he he was a military man for many years and, uh, he was on ships and all. And he said, well, he said, when I was on ships, they told me I had to take the flu shot. And I said, I'll be glad to take it. Be glad to right behind the ship's surgeon. In other words, he goes first, I go second. And he knew he'd been there around long enough. He knew the ship's surgeons never would take the flu vaccine. He said, as a matter of fact, I never knew any doc on any ship that would ever take any vaccines like that. And he said, I didn't have to take a flu vaccine the whole time I was in because I just said, as soon as the ship surgeon takes one, I'll take one. And it never happened. And boy, when I, I posted that comment and I just got a flood of comments saying, I'm never going to take that vaccine over my dead body and on and on they went. So it is something I oh, well. gauged the out there that people are concerned about and aren't going to put up with. Go ahead. I would say there's there's two approaches. Of course, what we've been talking about here is to stand up on your political rights. I'm a U.S. national. That public policy doesn't apply to me. But the mm -hmm. other thing was a novel uh, way, I thought, that we stumbled on recently out of a Lou Rockwell article by this guy that's evidently pretty well known out there in the paralegal fields. And I wasn't familiar with him, but he's got a website and he had 
very poised guy, knew what he was talking about. And his mm-hmm. solution was to write up a little contract that you give them if they're going to try and force you to have a vaccination and you go to a drug representative and have them sign it that they that they will be totally responsible for any damages that they cause by the vaccine. Of course, they won't sign it. And then you come back and say, well, until you sign it, I ain't taking it. Well, listen, one fella that responded to that statement I told you about from my brother, one fella posted and said, well, I was in the Army for 20 years. And he said, uh, I wish I'd have known better because he said, I'm partially crippled now. Oh, yeah. from back, from back. And I've known, I knew a man back when I was in my 30s, World War II veteran, that was confined to a wheelchair because of vaccines. Well, my, I got a I nephew. Yeah. I've got a nephew and a niece, okay, my brother's children. And he's uh-huh. a young, strapping, healthy, athletic young man. And my brother, uh-huh. being a, uh, retired from the Alabama National Guard, uh, mm-hmm. thought that that'd be a good place to put him over there in the guard and get him a little extra money coming on the side and that military experience and all that. And that's always been yeah. a nice little cubby hole to stick people in until yeah. they started calling them up over to Kuwait and Iraq. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. And they loaded him mm-hmm. up with all that stuff. And he has had nothing but health problems the rest of his life. Yeah, I, I don't think it was as bad in World War II. Back then, it was a matter of not being able to to know how much to give a fella. And famous men in America have died from vaccines. Jonathan Edwards, the second president of Princeton, uh, called the greatest intellectual America ever produced. He died of the smallpox vaccination. That Those things have, have happened from that time forward, and that was just before our country started. But now that's not the problem. Now the problem is they just they're just polluted. They're filthy. They're putting things in them like mercury and rotten eggs. And you think I'm exaggerating? Go read about it. No. And why they do that, I'm not sure. But they do they're it. They're adjuvants. It's almost like they I, want to kill. I just learned this no. recently. They're adjuvants. Have you heard that word thrown around? No, I was going to. Is Chris still here? By the way, Chris is always here, almost. But the well, I want to. Chris, does Chris? Does Chris oh, what? Chris? I was going to ask him. Chris knew what an adjuvant was. Well, I was going to tell uh, you. Absolutely. I, 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 <laughs> now, I, listen, he says he knows. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Chris, give his, then I'll give mine, and then we'll get the expertise of Harvey Wysong, who will tell us exactly what they are. Okay, Chris? Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to hear Harvey. It's my estimation that adjuvants are things they uh, allege they put into vaccines to make them preserve or combine with the genetics of the people they're shooting this junk into. And I don't think there's any basis whatsoever for mercury and young baby tissue or so on and so forth. Go ahead, Mr. Hart. Well, hold on. I was watching a video the other night, and the guy was a vaccine guy, and he said the adjuvants were put in there to shock the system to make the vaccine more immediately effective. What say you, Harvey? Welcome, well, by the way. I just called in because Being I could tell that you guys were flyer. in dire need of adult supervision. <laughs> <laughs> A little guidance, oh, too, boy. bud. This is near and dear to my heart. Um, my, yeah, you know, I, I was uh, released from active duty in the Marine Corps in uh, December 69. Well, in December of 68, 
they sent word around that we had to have uh, a flu vaccine. And I didn't really know, you know, all that much about the vaccines. We had, they had lined us up when I was. Arv, we're getting some clipping here. Uh, all right. Now I've got, I've got some kind of internet problem. So let's hope that it get rectified here pretty quick. And I'll continue because the recording is still happening. Do I have any of the Skype? No, I'm not connected because I see we're not connected to the server. And so we'll see if we can tap dance right around this. I see that we've got no Internet connection. Thank you, Microsoft. And hopefully, I'm sure this is on our end here with the provider, which is called Claro. We'll get their little act together, and we'll get hooked, rehooked with the server and the group because we got nothing but me at the moment, which means the net is down. So let's hope that well, I'll tell you, if it's not one blasted technical problem, it's another one, isn't it? And I really wanted to hear what Harvey has to say. There's a Skype noise telling me we're off. And let's see if we can get connected. Get Please get the Internet back up. And I just see connecting, connecting, connecting. Hopefully that this is a intermittent and temporary problem. Usually this provider I'm on is generally very stable. And so this is uh, unusual. It's not an electrical problem today. It's just obviously an Internet connectivity problem. And we'll give it a little bit longer and see if they can get it fixed. Uh, yikes, I, you know, how frustrating this is. Uh, for, first of all, it's like everything else. It's good and bad, and it's got both sides. It's amazing, for instance, that we can have these conversations at all with the ingredients that we've been able to put together on a, on a budget-type approach here so we don't have to bombard the audience with distracting, irritating commercials and advertisements constantly. Uh, and But the other side of that coin is the problems like this that you're having, Internet or the complexity of it and people's technological adaptation for this rapidly changing technological age we're in. And this thing doesn't want to seem like it wants to reconnect today. Uh, that's probably not good. We got about an hour of the show in. And we'll just see what happens here. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm prone after this much time of not being able to come back that this may be a little bit more of than just a temporary problem. And if that's the case, I probably will not continue to just uh, sit here and run my mouth. Um, I can continue to do that a little bit for the newer listeners. And, again, I'm sorry for the technological problems. It is obviously out of my control. Okay, there we go. Looks like we're connected back in. Let's see if we can get these guys back here. Let's see. Do we call them? Do we join it? Can I join this conversation? Hello. Hello. All right, let's see if I can get Brent back on, first of all. Join the call. Uh, join. It says join. It, am I joining? So there we are. Pardon? Okay. I'm sorry. We've been off the air yeah, for about yeah. three or four minutes. I'm sorry. We lost internet here. Oh, really? Yeah. How about that? So, well, 
I was trying to think of where we were when we got cut off, Harvey. You really just started. It's so been you... trans transmitting just fine. Well, those that are on uh, uh, Skype have yeah. been in on the conversation. Correct, because this was soliloquy. But well, anyhow, that wasn't being. It wasn't being. Go back and let me let me just stop you. It wasn't being broadcast because right. we were disconnected from the yeah. server, and it wasn't being put on tape because the problem was on my end, and I wasn't getting the conversation. So. Just for okay. the tape and the replay, All if right. you could back let me give up you a little the, bit. Let me give you the high points, Rod. Okay, please do. Um, all right. Well, back in 68, having had, uh, well, back in 68, you know, Hong Kong flu and all that, and they gave me a flu shot, and I got si so sick, and they gave me some medicine to compensate for it, and I got sicker. And, and so December 69 or November 69, whatever it was, rolls around. And the corpsman calls me again and says, you haven't gotten your flu shot, Lieutenant. I said, no, I'm not going to. I started cussing and yelling at him. And he was just laughing and screaming on his end. I said, you tell the colonel. I said, you go over to headquarters building and tell the colonel that Lieutenant Wysong will not have a, 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 a flu shot, refuses to submit. And if he wants him to have a flu shot, he better bring some corpsmen, I mean, some MPs to hold me down. Uh but I got out without having any more flu shots. I've never had one since. And, uh, and so anyhow, uh, Roger, you, you certainly know our friend Kay, who works yes. with children who have been damaged. Mostly, most of the children that she works with, I believe, are vaccine damaged. And but any learning disabilities she works with. And uh, extremely authoritative on nutritional uh, issues. But Kay came to me back in 1999. I was teaching middle school. And she said, uh, she said, I've got a mom whose first child was uh, rendered autistic by vaccinations. And now the pediatrician is beating up on her to have the second child vaccinated. And she doesn't want to do it. She keeps telling him no. And uh, but this they're just beating her to death. And I said, OK, let me handle this. I said, I'll get back to you in a couple of days. So I sat down and wrote up a contract. Between the physician and the parent. And it's out there on the Internet. It's been there for 20 years because Kay put it out on the web. Doesn't have my name on it because I didn't want credit for it. But it's called the uh, Physician's Warranty of Vaccine Safety. And that's exactly what it is. It's a warranty that the physician gives to the parent uh, guaranteeing pretty much at the price of his life that uh, that the vaccine that he wants to administer to the child is safe. And it goes into all sorts of detail about why he believes that the child needs this vaccine and what articles he's read in favor of this safety of this vaccine and what uh, articles he's read that argue for the danger of the vaccine and so on. And, you know, it's been floating around the world it's been used in India, Australia, everywhere. Kay keeps track 
aspect of it. She, from time to time, calls me and says, well, it's been used again. And I've been talking about redoing it. I'm looking at it. But, I'm looking at it online. But, There's a whole bunch of hits. If I put it on DuckDuckGo and a whole bunch of hits came up. Did you add oh, the really? graphs yeah. at the first here? Whooping cough, diphtheria, uh, all, all the different graphs, scarlet fever, polio, typhoid fever? No, I, I didn't put graphs on my my copy, so somebody has added that to it. Um, but that's pretty neat if they put graphs in there. But it include all of the adjuvants, uh, not adjuvants, but... Uh, ingredients that they would that they put commonly put in of course aborted uh, cell well just fetal uh, fetal cells uh, from aborted babies pig's blood they started putting uh, a aluminum number, a few years back they started putting some kind of a derivative of peanuts in there and that's why people have gotten this peanut oh allergy thing all of a sudden Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I took, I, I, I found the information on Dr. Mercola's website. That's where I got the information about the ingredients. And, uh, and then, <laughs> and, and then Kay called me one time and said, hey, do you know somebody named such and such? I said, yeah, I know him. Uh, he was in network marketing business with me. He was up line up in it. Uh, I'd regarded him as a friend uh, from the beginning. He said, well, your uh, your physician's warranty is on the web with his name on it. I said, what? See, yeah, it says by so-and-so. I said, oh, come on. So I went and looked, and sure enough, uh, there it was. And he had asked me to send him that physician's warranty, which I did. And, and, uh, and so, uh, he also, so when I sent it to him, I also sent a letter talking about telling him how it came to be, you know, with, with Kay coming to him, he put that in there too, with his name on it. Oh, you're kidding. Went, oh my So I, no, no, I was the most outrageous thing. I think he thought because he was putting it on skinhead websites, I I think he thought I would never see it, and it was picked up on Mercola's website, so I contacted Mercola. I said, he didn't write that. I did, and uh, he sheepishly admitted in an email to uh, uh, to Mercola that I was right. That's all he said. He's right. That was it. <laughs> He's right. Is that the and, birds? Are that yeah. the spring birds of Georgia we're hearing there in the background? Somebody's birds are chirping around. Some, I'm just curious. It sounds wonderful. I'm expecting to hear a mountain brook here next in the background. I guess we're still attached, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, I'm here. Okay. Well, I'm clear. All right. Well, there. Look, I wasn't complaining about it. I was just curious where it came from. It might have been Daryl. He threw his mute on. But there's some nice little birdies there in the background. Shows you the world's yeah. still a nice place. Daryl, Daryl's got a great uh, environment for bird chirping. Well, Harv, uh, uh, welcome, welcome. So, we didn't get. Let me address something from yesterday, and let's see if we can 
come out with something confirmed. We didn't get to do our China discussion yesterday because we, it got off on another subject. And as you know, it's like herding cats around here to try and get back to an issue. Uh, but I would like to reschedule that. That'll give you a couple more days to read a little more deeply into that book. And I may just open it up this weekend and re start reading a bit on that more myself. But this China issue is going to become much, much more forefront and important than it already is as we go forward. Just absolutely book it. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, and I've promoted this a couple of times on the air, there's a pretty good program I've stumbled on. It's a daily 30-minute program. It's called China in Focus. And I don't know whether it's being sponsored by Fulong Gong or, or Taiwan or who, but it's a pretty honest and objective look at what communism in the CCP and China is like and what they do and how they do it over there. It's very damning. Um, but they've started calling the virus the CCP virus, and I think that's real accurate. And if you can put that in your lexicon and start using it and referring to it as such, I believe that you would be a little bit more accurate in your conversations because it was clearly developed by the Communist Party of China. So just say that, promote that One little word. program, China in Focus. Yeah. Very good. Put it in a, in YouTube or YouTube, and uh, it'll come up with their uh, daily daily news program. But I, I liken it very much uh, to RT. They're kind of in the same vein as RT. So anyway. Uh, well, it's good, but, uh, but vaccine, I, I looked at that new – uh, well, sort of what I did, uh, that date or upgrade of what I did. And it had, I didn't have time to sit and read it all, study it all, but it has some real good stuff that I didn't put in my original contract. But I was pretty good at contract law. Uh, well, we get cut. We keep getting a little clipping there with Harv. I get, I've got you, Roger, but yeah, I don't no, have no. Harvey. Harvey was talking, and he's gone into this clipping yeah. mode. I think he's out, not, and he's not close to the router is probably the problem. Well, this scares, this scares me, Roger, because we did need adult supervision. And when Harvey came on, he said he was going to give us some. Well, he's back, I think. Let's see if he can supervise oh, us. Harvey, supervise yourself a little closer to the router. Could you do that? I'm going to relocate the router in this house. Uh, that's that's going to be my mission next week. Uh, I got so many projects going on. Uh, and yeah, I, I hope you can hear me reasonably well now. Yeah, it's better. It's just you when you went totally out for 20 or 30 seconds there a minute ago. So I figured you'd stray a bit a bit away from the router. Out there with your bird friends. Another beer. <laughs> well, beer, Roger. There you that's, go. That's what happened. Okay, let's see if we can get you loud and clear now, because obviously we're needing your supervision. We're crying out for it. <laughs> well, Harvey, it was good to hear. It was good to hear, Harvey, that you had taken a stand against vaccines uh, 50 years ago or more. And I have talked to other men since that have done the same thing. And I see the, the, um, 
an antagonism against the idea of rising now. I want it to keep rising because it is true, no question, that vaccines are dangerous and how much more so now that the evil empire and the useful idiots of it see it as a weapon, as a weapon, a political weapon against their political adversaries. It was, I see clearly that's what's happening. Now, DJ Trump said he wouldn't take one. He won't wear a mask either. What's going on here? Go ahead, Roger. I was going to say, wasn't it in 1996 when they, I think under Clinton, they passed the vaccine immunity law? No. Here's, I the, don't background. Know. Here's the background. Here's the background yes. on this from what I've been able to ascertain. It takes a long time to develop a pharmaceutical pill, okay? A lot of money, a lot of research, a lot of testing, a lot of regulatory stuff, this, that, and the other, and huge potential liabilities, okay? And in one of the congressional hearings on this stuff, I was watching a video on it the last couple of days, and when it happened, the, the vaccine manufacturers said it was getting so bad on their liability that they were paying out $20 for every dollar in profit they were making. And they came back and they got the vaccines run through, and then they got total immunity from the vaccines, except in this one little corner over there. We know it as the U.S. Court of Claims, where they stuck the vaccine court, where not only if you bring a case to court, the government, you're fighting the government, that that that's the uh, defendant, and the government pays for both lawyers and pays the fine if there is one, and supposedly there's a limit set on it. Okay, but it totally shields the pharmaceuticals from any liability from these vaccines, and that's why they've switched so much to the vaccines. Wow! If you could, well, you know, here here's a here, go ahead. Let me get. I've used this a couple of times this week. I was startled when I heard this on. I think I heard it on Tucker the other night. This new drug that they've got out there, Brent, and I can't pronounce it. Starts with an R. It's got about ten letters in it. Res, I want to say resveratrol, but I know that's not it. But it's that weird, you know, drug name, and it's been fast tracked yeah. by Trump and the FDA. They did one trial on it. I forget whether they said it was 60 or 40% effective. I leaned to say 40, and they rushed it to market, okay? A 10-day supply of that drug is $4,500. The one they're trying to marginalize, hydrochlorine, has been around for 70 years. Its efficacy is beyond reproach almost in whatever field. In fact, they give it as a prophylactic if you're traveling to foreign countries that have a high malaria probability okay but yet that a 10-day supply is 15 dollars <laughs> uh-huh so there's your uh -huh. motives well i see this as a as the point of contention that has the potential this vaccine question that has yep. the potential to <laughs> to boil boil up and blow the lid off. How about be a I think you, to, be a, a little. to be a catalyst. This vaccine yeah. issue uh -huh. has got high potential to be a really big catalyst. Yes, and I coming back yep. more to the beginning of what Daryl pointed out. Uh, well, Daryl didn't point it out. He said it's good. It's right for discussion. He had mentioned that speech that DJ Trump made about. Uh, mobilizing, 
mobilizing the military forces to make sure everybody's vaccined. Vaccined. If that happens, there's going to be violence. It appears something's got to give. Well, I can, and I can't believe he's that dumb. But maybe there's something I don't know here. Well, I, I have but a I, question. Uh, thank okay. You, I, I have a question. I have a question for that. Um, so, uh, uh, this is just a contingency question. When you have been legislated to be a, a criminal and an outlaw, will you be a good one? Will you be a good criminal? Is that what you said? Good criminal and a good outlaw. Once it's been legislated to uh, that you're a criminal and an outlaw, will you be a good one? You know, that's the that's the question. And when you say and, good, uh, when you say good, you mean what? Uh, In other words, you'll <laughs> well, <laughs> you're not, not that well, you'll. I'll let you talk. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you know, uh, this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is just an example of incrementalism and uh, expo facto uh, application of uh, legal aiders making what was previously uh, lawful or legal uh, now illegal and criminal and outside of of their law. Uh, This is a good, this very good. Uh, legal leaders making lawfare, and uh, so uh, the the question is, is, I think it still stands, is uh, prior to this, you were perfectly within uh, your your status, standing, capacity, scope, purview, and prerogative. Uh, you were living your life; you weren't interfering with anybody. And now, through imposition of uh, legal leaders and lawfare, uh, after this fact, you have. You are now standing outside of their uh, decrees, uh, making you an outlaw. Let me, uh, ask, let me ask you a question, so dear. When, when, it, you, when you are in that, when you – okay, yeah, go ahead. Go would ahead, it be Brad, more Brad. accurate to call it legal fare and not law fare? I, 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 I think it I, – I think if you have the uh, – the context of the language and vocabulary and grammar that we use, uh, yes, uh, I think it, it might fall deft on uh, the normies and the herd, but um, uh, I, I think that Bob and Bob and uh, Brent and and uh, Harvey and Chris would exactly identify with that. But I, I mean, it still stands the question. Uh, I'm addressing the incrementalism of it. Will will you still stand out when they when they make you a criminal? Will you stand out when you will you stand for your rights and your duties? And your duty at that point, I see it as yes. Uh, I'll I'll be the I'll be the best damn criminal you ever saw. I get it. Okay. I get it. I thought that's what you meant. In other words, if you're, you're yeah. going to outlaw me, uh, well then the the <laughs> we've drawn the line. You've drawn the lines and. I know where I'm going, and you know where you're going, and that ends the matter. In other words, will my constitutional rights, and I say this, let me back up, if I may, and just lay it out so I'm not misunderstood, or try to at least. Everything we do in life as mere mortal men is by privilege. Everything we do. 
And it's all by the privilege of our maker. He has given us license. But we separate the license he gives us and the permission he gives us from the mere permissions of men. And we call the permissions he gives us fundamental rights. We call what men give us or what men claim to give us, we call those a mere licenses, a permission, got a driver's license, a hunting license, a fishing license, a roofing license, a license to practice law, whatever blasted a license to run my business, what business license, whatever license I got, that's just license. Doesn't amount to much. It's just for men. It could be right. It could be wrong. We've got to make that decision. Brent, but these licenses, yes, these licenses from God are in a different category. Go ahead. The technical, if you go to Blacks, the technical definition legal of license is permission to do that, which is otherwise illegal. Well, I don't. But now, yeah. Roger, Roger, well, I got to think about that, Roger. Well, go ahead, Daryl. I'll think a little bit. Well, I, I, I just want to, <clears throat> I, I want to draw a hard, sharp line as well. And uh, I use I use our Lord Savior Jesus Christ as example. When they uh, when they decreed him to be a criminal, uh, he stood by his uh, he stood by his purpose. Uh, I need no further example, uh, right there. Yeah. So, please, Brent. You know, uh, yeah, and it, the the word license and the definition I just quoted do nothing but represent the two states. The license is public policy for those people that are serfs, and they have to have permission to engage in a trade or business in whatever designated area it is, because otherwise, under that system, it's illegal. I heard well, a story, Roger, you, you, the, the barbershop yeah, guy, the barbershop guy, I think in Michigan, who said, I've been, uh -huh. I've been in business longer than the governor's been alive, okay? uh -huh. and you're not closing my business down. And so they came in and revoked his license. They, he, they, they tried to convene a special court when everything's closed for this one guy with his business that was standing up to her. Uh -huh. They brought the court in. The court ruled against the governor. So she went in and yanked his license when everything's closed. All right. Uh -huh. So, and that's because he's a citizen of the United States and a resident, and he's in business with their permission. Okay, that it just well, is a, to, it represents yes, the Roger. line of demarcation yes. in the systems. I didn't I didn't want to speak too soon. I just thought it through since uh, Daryl was talking, and I the definition that you recited fits. I had I said, well, that fits with men, but does that fit with God? And I say, yeah, it fits. If God doesn't give you permission to do something, it's not legal. That's true. So I, I see that that's probably right. It hey. covers all bases. It's applicable in every point. It licenses that. Well, you say it again, Roger. What oh, was it? Well, uh, that to, to do which is a permission to do which is otherwise illegal. And it seems yeah. to me May that I? God's licenses are over on the duty side. Yeah, but it, it, the definition you gave still applies. I don't sure. But the but definitions are not on the right side. They're on the duty side. I think that's kind of interesting. I, of course, never thought about it like that. Chris, you're trying to interject something? Oh, I was, and I think it's uh, salient for the conversation. When we're told that license is permission to that which is presumed to be illegal, although it may not be unlawful, it's the difference between legal, which has 50 shades of gray, and unlawful, which is clearly bright line defined to be in law or outlaw. And what they're saying is specifically is just because it's illegal doesn't make it unlawful. 
And, of course, the Creator tells us that resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And therefore, I think we need to choose and not sit on the wall when these tyrannical bad actors are trying to poke this trike down our throats and tell us that it's legal because 1825 Webster's, I think it is, tells us that legal is the removal of God from the law. Well, you know, it's instructive in the footnotes of that document, Quiet Weapons for Silent Wars, that Tom Schramm brought up here on the show a while back. In the footnote of the document, it actually states, what we do may not always be lawful, but it will always be legal. Now, Roger, I understand. I understand, I think, pretty much what people, what a fellow wants to get across when he distinguishes those two words. And I think what he wants to get across is that some things are lawful, but uh, there are other things that are just um, carrying the color of law. I believe that's what they're saying. How about there are other things that fall under the moniker of public policy? Well, that's true, but some public policy is lawful. What I'm driving at is um, the word legal and the word lawful uh, uh, mean the same thing as a matter of etymology. And we're, we're giving them different meanings when we make that distinction in order to try to draw, draw a very important distinction. But we don't have words to do it. So I still like to stick to well, the word lawful versus color of law. That's what our courts okay. use. I that's think fair. they're right on yeah, that one. That's fair. But, yeah. But you, yeah. Go ahead. Because one's just me, a Latin word me, uh, that means lawful. Go ahead, Daryl. Well, let me let me just make a, a distinction here, and I, I think this is really important, and I appreciate uh, really so much what Chris just said, and then your uh, your comments, Brent. Uh, I'll give you an example of something that's legal that isn't lawful. Uh, murdering babies is uh, is legal. Uh-huh. Um, of course, it's Actually, not lawful. It, may may and, I interject uh, something here, Daryl? I don't think it's legal. No one has passed a law saying that, at least on the national level, that it's legal to murder a baby. They just prohibited, uh, you know, we have a Supreme Court opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 I I, I, uh, Harvey Harvey makes a really good point. And uh, so I I will have to say uh, it is uh, de facto legal. Okay, yeah. the evidence shows me that by by default they have made it legal, whether or not it has been made passed through positive law. So uh, they made it a sacrament and, and put in the code. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so what we have here, this this also goes Harvey's comment, and I appreciate that. Also goes to uh, elucidate and um, uh, clarify that we live under a duality. And the the legal system involves one form of government and jurisdiction, and the law is a totally separate government and jurisdiction. And uh, if this is that duality, they conflate it, and through the conflation, they confound your mind, and you become uh, mind-controlled in a a double-minded and a double-spirited Man, and you are uncertain in all your your ways when you become conflated through and confounded. Can I bring up Exhibit A? 
please. Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality on the State Department's website makes the statement on this duopoly. And, you know, I started out fetch a show with that. The very first thing I said, first of all, because you're not going to believe any of this, let's go over here. And I gave them the website slowly and how to find the document. So the people that did, we were all on the same page. Because most people, especially just getting exposed to what we talk about here, when you see the statement from their document, according to the Immigration and Naturalization Act, all, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. There's your duopoly stated on their document from the Department of the Government that has ultimate authority over all matters in this area. Roger, when, and everybody else too, when is a man or a woman, when does the law justify him in a preemptive strike? I brought up a thing yesterday on the radio, (laughs) on the radio, on the radio with a professor of history who had written a book, and it's a pretty good book, and he tried to, he'd been studying this subject for over 30 years, and he was trying to decide whether or not, or he wanted to know for sure whether or not these eight First, first uh, founding fathers, they call them, you know, the ones we always hear of, Washington, Madison, Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton, John Adams, Governor Morris, James Wilson. I think I got most of them, might have been one or two left out. Were these fellows deists or were they Christians? And I was um, persuaded by what he said. He said, well, they obviously weren't deists because they believed God that was with all of them. And he examined their private papers, not their public pronouncements, which makes a big difference. He, he said they're all, they're all, uh, they can't be deists because they don't do what deists do. Deists clearly uh, reject all written revelation from God and do not believe that God is involved in the affairs of men at all. Well, all those men believe that uh, he was intimately involved in the affairs of men and they believed in written revelation. It's just that they didn't take the, the view of inerrancy of the Bible that uh, the Bible thumper would take today, and to varying degrees. Some of them took all the Bible to be true. It just depended on uh, who they were, such as, uh, I can't remember the other fellow's name, but uh, he was a medical doctor. Okay, so I asked this guy, he'd been a historian and all, and I said, i got to ask you some questions. I just pumped him for all he was worth. I didn't disagree with him for two hours. I had him on had him on before now. But finally got down to the nubbin, and I said, I'm going to tell you a story. You're qualified as an expert witness. You can speculate here. You can give your opinion. We're not. You're not a fact witness. So I said uh, the story of the Over Mountain Men that I learned when I was a boy. The Over Mountain Men. There were the men, those were the men that George Washington said he wished the whole Continental Army was made up of men like that. Well, these Over Mountain Men. They lived in North Carolina and they went west and they went over the mountains, which was a new thing at that time. They went over the mountains, they cleared land, they built cabins, they had a big investment, they had their families there, that was their home. They had no place to return to, and the king put out the order, you can't cross the mountains. So he said, this, was just, this was during hostilities of the war of separation from Britain. So he sent a fellow by the name of Ferguson. Ferguson, and he was a commander, and I believe they were Highlanders, but they were part of the British forces. And he sent this fellow named Ferguson to get him back. So Ferguson sends them a letter by courier. says, come back. If you don't come back, we're coming there. If we have to come there and we capture you, you will be hung and you will be drawn and you will be quartered, as the law at that time said. We're going to hang your bodies. We're going to cut you down and we're going to cut you in little pieces. And uh, he sent them that letter. 
And they all, the old men got together, all the men got together and had a little counsel. And they looked at the letter and they said, what? He's promising to kill us. We can't leave here. There's no place to return to. Our families are, are, are here. We've uh, got an investment here. And God, and God says scatter over the land. He said that in Genesis. So they gathered up their rifles, made their decisions, and they knew he was coming after them, and so they went after him. They said, we'll meet him, and we'll stop him. He's going he's sworn to kill us. we got to do something. So over the mountain they went. Over the mountains, I should mountains, those long ridge mountains, the Alleghenies, the Appalachians. And they met him. They met him uh, at a place called King's Mountain, if I remember right. That's they saw him clear. there. Yep. And they, they killed every one of them. Yep. They killed Ferguson, and the man, the man that killed Ferguson was a boy with a rifle. And his, one of his grandchildren, one of his descendants, still has that rifle. I remember this story from a kid because when I was a kid, everybody knew that all Americans named their rifles after their sweetheart or their wife. And we all knew that Daniel Boone named his rifle um, Rebecca, I think her name was her name. So his rifle was Rebecca. Well, this fellow's sweetheart, this boy's sweetheart, he called her Sweet Lips. And he, he named his rifle Sweet Lips, and his descendant still has the rifle that killed mm-hmm. Ferguson. You know, and the question, but let me, Roger, don't forget, now doggone it, Roger, write down what you're going to say, but i got to finish this part yeah, please of it. please do. <laughs> so I asked this fella, did they do the right thing in this preemptive strike after they had promised to come and kill them? And he said, absolutely not. He didn't hesitate. Absolutely not. Why? He said, because they're bound by Romans chapter 13 to obey authority. And I didn't, I stopped right there and I went to another question. I didn't want to flesh that out because I didn't want people to associate me with that. And I'm going to then, and of course it's my show. So I have the last word. I can, I can go through Romans 13, which I intend to do next Tuesday, Lord willing, and uh, correct some of those things. He's a learned man, but no matter how smart any of us are, we go the wrong direction. I believe he's gone the wrong direction. I wanted to bring that up right now and ask others, just throw the question out, is a preemptive strike some kind of, a, no, I don't mean violence always, court action. I don't mean violence at all until court action is, uh, uh, our remedies are exhausted, as the law would say. But should we be doing something preemptively? They promised. Daryl said that he heard this fellow say that that's what we're going to do. Well, what's the difference between that and what Ferguson said? I'm throwing out the question. Back to you, Roger, to That's finish what, what you That's what the show's want. all about is preemptiveness with these bastards and filing an affidavit. I don't know how much more preemptive you can get. What kind we're of t- bastards are we talking about? We're these, talking about these people. Or their parents aren't yeah. married, or what are you saying here? Right? Well, I'm just using <laughs> the word in the colloquial, and, you, and because <laughs> they know. are bastards, because their father is Satan the devil. Okay? Yeah, now— uh-huh. Well, no, you make a point Me. from a biblical point of view. Go but that—that that is what I've been preaching. This is this is my ministry. That's what I've been preaching on here for ten years. You got to preemptively law, stand up to these guys. They tell you in that document I just referenced, right there from the head knockers, that everybody's a duopoly, and they don't. 
tell you that you're under the presumption from birth under this fraudulent system and that you've been caught in this invisible contract that you've never heard of or understand. And uh, they don't inform you of all that, but they do tell you that there's a duopoly there. And the way you preemptively do this is you stand up and confront them with a legal document that they can't rebut or overcome. And they stand mute every time and have for over 10 years is my experience. And I will also add this. I've said it before. I have no idea who all has filed this paperwork. All kinds of groups have gotten a hold of this. They seize one aspect of it. They ignore the rest, and they proceed with that. Well, now they're not giving the people the education. The education is where your freedom is. It's just like a muscle. You got to feed it with nutrients and then you got to exercise it. That's what you do here. You feed it with information and education. You get your confidence up and you get the backbone to stand up to these bastards. And they stand mute every time. That's the preemptive well, strike. That's what we well, preach here. Well said, Roger. If a man's standing near me or within earshot and he hollers and he's armed and I see he's got a gun. And or a sword or a club, and he hollers at me and says, I'm going to kill you if you don't do what I say. And that, that's happened a lot in history. Am I justified? Am I justified in striking first? That's the question. Or a man says, I'm going to knock your teeth out. He's standing in front of well, me. Am I justified to swing? Okay. That's the question I'm asking. Okay. All right. Well, and let so me see if I can I'm, answer it another yeah. way. What the no, ultimate, no, you answered it, Roger. But no, I hadn't, I hadn't answered it totally yet because there's <laughs> okay. one more aspect of this we don't talk about very often. But it's come up a couple of times lately, especially in this vaccine thing. You tell uh -huh. them I'm a U.S. national. Those laws don't apply to me. If they continue to move forward, now we know again on both sides what the rules are. And we can act accordingly. Yep. You see, we haven't known what the rules yep. are. It's is the analogy. It comes from John Benson. I've used it before. It, it's as if they asked the Patriots to play a game. And because it's in March and the final four, we think it's basketball. So we gear to basketball. The day, the day game, day of the game comes, we go to the court, and it's this slick stuff. Our Nike little shoes don't work. And here comes the Feds team with all this padding on, and they're carrying sticks, and they're throwing around this hard as a rock thing at over 100 miles an hour. Who the hell you think's going to win that game? Mm -hmm. That's the game that's being Here played. When you file the affidavit, when you file the affidavit, you re-level the playing field because now we know what the rules are on both sides. Now we can take the law, and everybody knows the rules, and we can weaponize it in our favor. How do we do that? After we filed it with the Secretary of State, we start putting everybody within arm's notice on notice legally that they ain't got no more jurisdiction. Now we've taken and weaponized due process in our favor because we both understood what the rules were. Now we can play the game, too, because everything's dialectic. We can use all this stuff in our favor, too, but we haven't known the rules and we haven't known how to use the weapons. May I? Yes, sir. Because of what appears to be a lawful command, that appears to be as in quotations, on the surface, many capital C citizens, because of the respect for what appears to be law, are cunningly coerced into waiving their rights due to ignorance. 
U.S. versus Minker. Yeah. 350 U.S. 179 at 187. What was I the year? What was Minker's year? condition. What was the year of Minker? So then, what was the year of Minker? 1956. Okay. 1956, and I think that Brent is exactly right on point here. If they have the bona fide unlawful attempt coupled with the present objective ability to do you bodily harm, then you have the empirical authorization to act first because no man is required to lay down his life for a tyrant, a bully, or a murderer. Now, that statement is coming from a former police officer who has been falsely arrested at least once, maybe more. Yes. Yes, and I, I can appreciate your point of view. Once force is used against a man unlawfully, it changes. He may know. He may know about some legal standards, but when force then comes, then he doesn't know about legal standards anymore. He knows legal standards. <laughs> if he's got the right one, that is. And if two men or two countries cannot agree on a common objective standard whereby to govern their relationship, they're going to come to blows. Who just piped up? Who, who was that? I heard somebody. Uh, yep. Uh, there was a there was a novel that was written by Lynn Deaton. Uh, the characters in the novel, Isaac Folkman. This is in uh, this is in set in Germany after World War One, and uh, the letter of the law, my friend, when justice lies bleeding at my feet. That's uh, well. That's a reendorsement of Mao's statement that all law comes from the barrel of a gun. We're still getting clipping from you, Harv. You're cutting out for five, ten seconds or more at a time. But any, um, did you hear what I just said, Harvey? We're we're getting that clipping from you. You're cutting out ten ten seconds or more at a time. Ten seconds or more at a time. Can you hear that? Yeah, now you're back, but you're fading in okay. and out for sometimes ten ten or more seconds. Maybe I didn't pay my bill. Uh, maybe I should have <laughs> given them. A, maybe I should have given them a tip this month. And. Uh, <laughs> I'm over here shaking hands with the router now, okay. uh, but um, the there's a a quote from a, a fella named uh, Peter Muhlenberg, who was a Lutheran minister in Woodstock, Virginia, in 1776, and he said, "There is a time for all things, a time to preach, and a time." Um, at a time to pray, but those times have passed away. There is a time to fight, and that time has come. <laughs> so uh, that goes to Brent's. Uh, uh, so you know there there are times, and you going back to uh, Major Ferguson and the Over Mountain Men and the Battle of Kings Mountain. That's where it was. Or we can also go over to. Uh, uh, to the Talmud for our justification. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Which, 
Yeah, which says that if one comes to kill you, rise up and kill him first. Uh, I've heard that quoted yep. by a politician. I've heard it quoted by Netanyahu. Ah, uh, it was our Secretary of Defense. I can't remember the guy's name, but he, he or maybe, maybe I don't know. One of the, one of the government officials back in uh, Bush forty one. He quoted that. Uh, Kissinger. No, 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 not that piece of dirt. Uh, But, Roger, do you remember a fellow by the name of Bob Matthews that we rubbed uh, shoulders with back in the late 90s? Not right off the top of my head, Harv. I remember him. I I can't picture him, but I remember him as a very insightful fellow, and I— he said to something to me one night in a telephone conversation in January of uh, 97. He said, and I wrote it down in my collection of quotes, said it's not that more people are doing more wrong things now. It's just that more things are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Uh, yeah, 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 I got to process that, Harvey, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. yeah. That's like saying I feel more like I do now than I did a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe. Well, what he was saying is more things that were innocent a, a, a while ago have now oh, been yeah. made crimes. Yeah. Yeah. I get and it. And it goes back to, uh, you know, what Tacitus said and, um, uh, believe Ben Franklin quoted it uh, as well. The more corrupt the state, the more numerous the laws or summum use as uh, summum use as summa in Uria, uh, which was uh, uh, the strict letter of the law is the greatest injustice, those sorts of things. Uh, but more laws, less justice. I like that one. Yeah, more laws, less justice gets it. I want to suggest a book. Go ahead, Roger. I was going to say, on Mike Maloney, uh, because I've been watching those daily things too, the silver and gold guy, he had a chart up there yesterday that showed the oppressiveness of the state and the life expectancy, and it was startling. Really? I can't quote you the numbers. But the, it was startling. Under oppressive regimes, your lifespan is shortened dramatically. And under free regimes, you're, you live four times longer. Or, you know, I forget the percentages again. But yeah, it was a dramatic, longer. dramatic difference. Well, I, I bet nobody on this I mean, call is really surprised. Uh, listen, I forgot Robert joined us. We hadn't heard from Robert. Robert, in the intensity of that discussion, I just forgot you, man. Don't want to. How you doing? I'm doing. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. And the waiting moments of the program. But yeah, you boys have kind of uh, picked around the edges of my question, but I need you to pinpoint it for me. Uh, I'm still um, a little fuzzy on difference between legal versus lawful. Uh, who wants to jump up and take that one? Bring it down to my level. Well, let's see if we can take what we teach here and what you've learned through the show. Legal, in my mind, would be associated with the older status of state citizen, and legal would be construed under the fraudulent federal system we live under now. The reason I say that, Robert, to hammer on these basics again, 
is back to that formula R plus D equals R. Okay. Um, that I can't stress yeah. to new people how that important how important this basic information is that I was taught by John Benson. It's on a I think a three hour video on YouTube called The Science of Law, and you can go listen to some earlier broadcasts. Somebody yeah. spliced somebody was so motivated by those broadcasts they spliced them to put them up there, and it wasn't in my direction. And a lot of people have benefited from that. But this is how you use that in the old state citizens, the original way. It, that the country was set up, where did you get your rights from, Robert? Heavenly Father. We got them from God. And then you got yeah. your rights from God, and you owed your duties, therefore, to God. Okay? And that's why in those uh -huh. days, if you were a state citizen, you were a citizen of the United States of America, a national citizen. If you were born and lived uh -huh. in D.C. or the territories— you not only weren't, but you had no way to become a citizen of the United States of America. That was part of the reasoning of the day of the 14th Amendment. Okay, But back in those days, you got your rights from God, and therefore you owed your duties to God. Therefore, really, technically, legally, the way I understand it, lawfully, is your residency's in heaven. Technically, because that's where you get your rights and owe your duties, all right? Under the new system, that changed over. What did they do? They took the black slaves off the southern plantations, and they gave them this status of this federal citizenship under the scope and purview of this 14th Amendment. Because the government is giving them the political status, instead of the state citizen getting his laws and owing his duties to God, they get their laws and owe their duties to the federal government. That's where they got their personage, okay? And therefore, they're not duty, they're not rights, they're civil rights, they're little rights. And you have to receive, it gives you all the rights to interact with all the other people in the society. But now, because of that system and what it is, the feudal system in disguise, you got to have a license, to do all this stuff and you can't own your car you can't get a manufacturer's statement of origin on your car unless you pay cash and you're shipping it out of the country that's the only way you can do it i've been told okay you have to have a certificate of title you can't own your home even though you've got the deed it's still on the tax rolls and you're still encumbered by the tax obligations okay so you basically have a certificate of deed for your house don't you Okay, all those yeah. things, and the reason that I've concluded on my all my own study over all these years is that very simple statement that property can't own property. That's why they're having you get these licenses and substitute documents. And that change happened on March the 3rd of 1933 when we were officially, they converted the 1917 uh, a trading with the enemy act where it specified Germans and they changed it and put citizens of the United States in there, the new status. As we were talking oh, about earlier, declaring war on the citizenry. We don't talk about that too much around here, but that uh, Schroeder, I think was the veterinarian's name out of Colorado that did all that work on the Trading with the Enemies Act 25 years ago. That was what he he showed in his research, showed the document. Roger, before we wrap it up for the day, let me mention something to you. I just 
sent you about 30 minutes ago a link to an article uh, on the DOD and HHS awarding a $138 million contract to Apoject Systems to provide pre-filled COVID-19 vaccine syringes with RFID microchip tracking. So I'll look at it. I mean, all these things are in preparation, you know. Uh, Did that address your question and your confusion at least a little bit, Robert? I think it did. That kind of that kind of put it into focus. Well, I mean, let's yeah, say you want to look at their document. All citizens are nationals. Well, the legal side is the citizens, and the lawful side are the nationals. That's the way I see it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, Brent, hey man, and, I sure guess appreciate. Where, no. Go ahead, quick. Real quick. Guess where there's no COVID cases? Drum roll, please. American Samoa. Yeah. Right. And. <laughs> And this little bitty zero infection, zero case. And this little county that's in Canada that's still a Washington state governed territory, whatever. Anyway, we'll be back uh, Monday. Have a nice weekend. We'll see how much water goes under the bridge twins now and then. Brent, thank you so much for being with us. We always appreciate your uh, your viewpoints and the things you teach us. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate you, fellas. Okay, guys. We'll see you next Friday. God willing, and the creek don't rise too high. Have a good weekend. We'll see you on Monday and see what comes up. Take care. Go get a new phone, Chris. (laughs) And dog biscuit. (laughs) Yeah, don't forget the dog biscuit. (laughs) 